in the wide, wide world of sports is going on in Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Friday on the Horn, B&E with you. It's right in the, uh, another weekend. It's going to be a hot one, one of the hottest we've had in a while. 103 for the actual temperature, but the feels-like temperature will be uh, certainly close to the 110s. going to be warm. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk to Tyler McComas from up there in Oklahoma City. Does great radio covering the Sooners in Oklahoma State. His thoughts, he was at Big 12 Media Days for a couple days. Uh, what did he take away? What are the Sooners and Cowboys feeling in 2023? Also, you know, there are some Longhorn fans wondering in their final year in the Big 12, you know, what, what's the Big 12 going to do to screw the Longhorns on their way out? And, uh, you know, the, the, the conspiracy theorists about how the officiating is going to go and mm-hmm. will they get a fair shake and some of those kind of things as they head off to the SEC. And, uh, well, if you heard the comments from Big 12 Deputy Commissioner Tim Weiser yesterday up at Big 12 Media Days, it, it might give some ammo to those conspiracy theorists of, you know, what's to come. So we'll play that for you coming up. Uh, it is it is pointed. <laughs> what do you have to say about Texas and Oklahoma? Also, the um, you know Longhorn fans and everybody, everybody in the conference, I, we talked to Mike Craven, I'm sure we get this from him, but talking to folks, everybody's trying to figure out how Oklahoma drew the schedule that they did. I mean, I know I keep saying it, but it's just amazing to me that if you look at the preseason media poll that the Oklahoma Sooners were picked to finish third, but but they'll play the number one pick, Texas, on a neutral site. They won't play the team picked to finish second. They won't play the team picked to finish fourth. Uh, they won't play the team picked to finish sixth. Uh, I don't I mean, it, 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 like they, they drew the easiest schedule as far as the conference goes. We know their non-conference schedule at Oklahoma is a piece of cake because they they dumped that Georgia game uh, when they announced the move to the SEC. So they're playing like Tulsa. I mean, Tulsa's their toughest non-conference game. And then... Yeah. Hey, but it's at Tulsa. And, and Texas is the best team they're playing in the Big 12. I mean, think about that. And, and they play them neutral. Um, TCU, they play, was picked to finish fifth, but TCU is in Norman. I mean, they don't play any of the top six in the Big 12 on the road this year. The team's picked to finish in the top six, which, you know, that is... That's some kind of schedule. I don't know how they got that. Texas, meanwhile, of course, plays, you know, Texas Tech will come here. Uh, K-State is here. Uh, they drew those two teams at home. They're going to go to TCU. They're going to go to Baylor, who was picked to finish six. They're going to play Oklahoma on a neutral site. Texas will play all five of the teams ranked in the t- picked in the, in the top six. Oklahoma will play, what, two of them? And none, of them, and none of them on the road, <laughs> which is incredible. Uh, all right, let's get to your headlines, trending topics, get you caught up on the news of a Friday morning. UBO Business Services brings it to you. And yeah, we'll start with Texas baseball. And great news yesterday. Obviously, we told you on Wednesday, Tanner Witt announced that he was returning to play another season and pitch another season for the Longhorns. Well, yesterday, his fellow right-handed starting pitcher, LeBaron Johnson Jr., followed suit. He gave the Longhorns their commitment. He'll be coming back to pitch for a redshirt junior season. Also yesterday, the outfitter downtown Porter Brown announced he's returning for a sixth season of college baseball. 
here at Texas, the San Antonio native and TCU transfer, can provide plenty of experience and a strong bat from the left side for that Texas outfield in 2024. He was a clutch performer in the middle of that order last season, posted a 323 batting average at 12 home runs, drove in 59. Longhorn softball team as well, adding players to their roster for head coach Mike White. They announced the addition of one of the best players from the Atlantic Coast Conference yesterday to their roster. Jolie Mitchell is an infielder, spent four years playing for Notre Dame. She was an All-ACC First Team member last year, has two years of eligibility remaining. Also big news for former Longhorn All-American Ivan Melendez this week. The 2022 College Baseball Player of the Year was drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks in the second round of last summer's MLB draft. Well, had a very strong first half of the season in single-A Hillsboro. They have promoted him to their double-A team in Amarillo, where he will start the second half. Second half of the Major League Baseball season does open tonight following the All-Star break. AOS leading Rangers and their six All-Stars will be at home tonight. Host a weekend series with Cleveland. Second place Houston will open the second half in Anaheim tonight. They're going to face Shohei Otani to start the weekend on a Friday night and out in L.A. against the Angels. Round Rock Express will open a three-game weekend series in Tacoma. E-Train will return to the Dell Diamond for the next their next homestand coming up on Tuesday. Austin FC back on the pitch at Q2 Stadium tonight night, hosting Sporting Kansas City following their 2-1 loss at Vancouver on Wednesday night. Verde now enter that match in sixth place in the Western Conference with 29 points on the year. Sporting KC enters with 11 in 11th, well, in 11th place in the West. Have been playing better of late, though, the uh, Sporting KC has. Start time for that match has been pushed back to 8.30 tomorrow night because of the excessive heat. College football, multiple reports this morning that Northwestern will promote defensive coordinator David Braun to be their interim head football coach for the 2023 season. Braun was just hired by Northwestern back in January to be their defensive coordinator. He will now be assuming the role of interim head coach in the wake of the school firing Pat Fitzgerald earlier this week. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. All right, can I play this for you, Buck, uh, and for our audience? This is uh, on, a, on a radio station in Kansas City. They were up at Big uh, Radio Row, Big 12 Media Days, and they're talking to the Big 12's deputy commissioner. Okay, this is higher-ranking official in the Big 12 doing an interview with Kansas City Radio. Can you, can, Ty, can we play this? Um, this is a guy named Tim Weiser on the decision of UT and Oklahoma leaving the SEC and what's what the Big 12 uh, will have moving forward. I continue to maintain that the choice Texas made wasn't a financial one because we all know what Texas resources are like. I think theirs was more about affiliating with a group of schools that on a given Saturday they would rather get beat by Alabama than they would Kansas State or Florida than Iowa State. Or, you know, that I think was really what was driving the way they looked out down the road. And in Oklahoma's case, I'm not as convinced that that was the issue for them. I think they were more of what I would call uh, the reluctant bride that kind of felt like, wow, if we don't go, what happens to the Texas OU football game, basketball, you know, all the things that we know from an OU and Texas standpoint are really important. So I kind of felt like if I was in Oklahoma's case, it would have been hard for me not to think about the long term. And don't we want to be affiliated with Texas and now these other schools? Right. Well, it sounds like a guy who spent the night thinking about exactly what he was going to try to put out there. That, it, that wasn't very natural. That was like I didn't sleep well last night because I was thinking about exactly when the questions came up like this, what I was going to say to try to stick both Texas and Oklahoma. And I didn't do it in a smooth way. Well, you're talking about a bitter guy. Wow. Yeah, Texas would rather lose to Alabama and Florida than K-State or Iowa State. 
Um, look, I mean, Texas has by no means been great in the Big 12, and certainly in the last 10 years, the previous 10 were, were really pretty good for Texas in the Big 12 conference. But uh, And why really does stick good. Oklahoma? Because they've been, they've been the... And, and, and Oklahoma is a reluctant not? I mean, really? Well, I mean, he's talking about the move, and he, you know, he's portraying it as Texas kind of bullied Oklahoma into this, and they really didn't want to, and they're the reluctant bride, and Texas just going because they're going to lose in the SEC just like they're losing in the Big 12, but they'd rather lose to, to bigger programs. It's better for the brand. Um, that's the Big 12's deputy commissioner. I mean, that's not some dude on radio in Kansas City. That sounded City. like some dude. Yeah, right? That, that sounded like one of the radio hosts who doesn't like Texas. That's fair. Okay, you yeah. can have that opinion, I guess, but you're you're the deputy commissioner of the Big Twelve, and you know no love lost for Texas. I get it, but uh, that's his thought. That's how he he positions it. You're pushing um, you're pushing on some bad officiating there for the for the last season for all sports for Texas and Oklahoma right there. I mean that's your push. I mean your officials are hearing that. I mean that is that is that's that's not as bitter as it can get, but that's pretty bitter right there. Yeah, this says Texas is no use toughest opponents in 2023. The Big 12 referees. Yeah, well, wow. Well, I was at the game last year when Oklahoma State got called for zero penalties and the Horns had 14 in Stillwater. That seems off a little. It happens, but the Longhorns don't play Oklahoma State this year. You no, know, as far as teams that they don't draw. Yeah, for for Texas, you're going to have to take that championship. You're going to have to. You're going to have to outright. You know what I'm saying? Win that, win that championship. You know, no matter what the officials, it won't be because you're going to say, "Well, we got a, a bum call." You're going to have to beat people's rear ends because you got the most talent. Because you're not in close games, you're not going to get it. So you don't need any close games. You need, you need to pile drive these teams. Well, that's yeah. You don't leave it in the referee's no, hands, right? No, don't you? No, no, well, not if the deputy commissioner's talking like that. <laughs> that was a bitter dude, but uh, you know, Texas will be out and. Uh, and we, we know there's no love lost in the Big Twelve for a lot of for, for a lot of folks towards Texas. They've been seen as the the bully and bully on the block. And look, they have been at a lot of levels because they're by far and away the biggest brand in the conference. And certainly when Nebraska and A and M and those schools left, it was just Texas with you know Oklahoma the second biggest brand. And you know, and I'm not talking about football. Oklahoma's a, a blue blood power football program. I'm talking about brand in college football. And, and, and uh, you know, the, the resources, the finances, Texas is huge uh, compared to anyone else. And Oklahoma is the only thing that's close. And that's why Texas, I think, going, going to the SEC, I've always advocated for either a move to the Big Ten or the SEC mm-hmm. to be in a neighborhood of like teams, of like I mean, like organizations, where you're not so far and away the the, the biggest. And that does lead to being the, the most powerful. And Yeah, you have to earn it. Yeah, well, no doubt. Because, yes, you're still the, one of the biggest brands in all of college sports. But, yeah, you're in there with – other, other big big old in other sports, big, not just football. Right, big state schools. Right, Louisiana State University, Alabama, right. Florida, Georgia. I mean, these are these are great big schools. And, and along uh, the way, if they pay you a lot of money, so be it. Well, sure, you know that's right. And uh, but yeah, you're in every sport. You're gonna you're have not to earn, gonna turn down the money. And and look, that's why I was talking yesterday about the Directors Cup, where some Longhorn fans kind of snicker at the Directors Cup. I think that is that's an overall scoreboard of excellence within the athletic department that that Chris Del Conte and the coaches and the players have brought to Texas over the last couple of years to win that Directors Cup, take it away from Stanford for two years, and then finish second this year just behind Stanford tells you that they're they're achieving at a high level in all the fields of play. Football has to join that, That's but right. obviously when you make a choice to move to the Southeastern Conference, that challenge gets more difficult in every sport. I mean, it's a tougher road in football. It's a tougher road in basketball. Well, basketball may be you know a little 
it still won't be easy. Will it be a tough road to swimming and diving? Swimming and diving, track really? and field. I mean, this is the Southeastern Conference. And gosh, wait till the baseball season rolls around. <laughs> I mean, baseball, well, I mean, Longhorns will play one more year in the Big 12 in 2023, all the way through next spring and into the next summer. But um, that doesn't sound like a guy who recognizes if, if he had that same offer from every one of the teams in the Big 12 that he's talking about, that he's praising, he wouldn't have a job because they'd all say, y'all, we're gone too. Hey, let's uh, let's go to the Vaqueros Hotline, one of our faves. When we talk uh, Big 12 football, certainly Big 12 football media days and what went on in Arlington this past week, uh, our friend Tyler McComb is covering the Sooners there up on uh, great radio and sport, sports radio, does some great writing as well in Oklahoma City. Is Tyler McComas on the Vaqueros Hotline. Tyler, how are you, bud? Oh, I mean, I'm good. I don't know about you guys, but it seemed like everyone staying in the Big 12 uh, had something to say in a shot at OU in Texas this past week. Gee, oh, yeah. get them while they're on their way out. That's you got to do that. Got to get it done. Yeah, man. Well, uh, for sure. And you, now we just played the the audio. You may have heard it from the, the deputy commissioner of the Big 12 saying that Texas is leaving to go to not get beat by K State every week, but to lose to teams like Florida and Alabama. And that Oklahoma was a reluctant bride in the move to the SEC. I mean, that's the deputy commissioner of the Big 12. Is there any merit to that? You cover Oklahoma on the daily. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday and and, and made fun of that quite a bit. It it does make OU, or he at least makes OU sound like a little brother and all of that. And I don't know. I mean, I think he said at one point that, you know, financial reasons, you know, wasn't a big deal that Texas left, like whatever. It's a huge financial gain for both Oklahoma and Texas. It doesn't matter how much money Texas or OU is making right now. You can't leave that money and that opportunity on the table. I don't know. It was, it, it was pretty embarrassing, in my opinion, for someone that's very high up in the conference. Obviously, there's some sour grapes there, which we all knew. But to say that publicly like that, I don't know. I I thought that was kind of embarrassing by the conference. Yeah, he sounded titled like a guy who really didn't sleep the night before, and this is, these are the words I'm going to use. They're not, it's not going to be a natural speech. It's just it's something that you know I've been thinking about. Here's how I'm going to word this. And that, 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 that's not very natural, the way he talked about both of those teams and, and, and talked about his conference. He should have been talking more about the Big 12 itself and who's staying instead of about who's leaving the conference. We've known that for a while. They're leaving. Okay. Let it yeah, be. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, he wanted to say he wanted to say exactly that. He wanted the headline to be exactly what it is right now. And, yeah. You know, I was even watching your mark on Wednesday and the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes that he's up there. I'm writing down some notes saying, man, this guy's really impressive. I really like great your mark. That was one heck of a hire by the Big 12. And then they go to the breakout session and he basically says, well, OU and Texas haven't led the way in recruiting. They haven't played in the championship game in a few years. Like, look, man, I, I understand that you got to defend your conference. That's great. I, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about the Big 12 moving forward. But there's a difference in defending your league and then saying that OU and Texas haven't led the way in recruiting. Seriously? I, really? W- when you say something like that, everything that you set up at the window a little bit, like I was buying a lot of what he was selling and then he says that, the deputy commissioner says that. They, they, they lost me with a couple of those comments this week. He is Tyler McComas, host of The Rush on The Ref up there in Oklahoma City from 2 to 6. It's 94.7 in OKC. It's also on the AM dial in Tulsa, covering the state of Oklahoma. Uh, Tyler, let's uh, look forward to this season, 2023, where the Sooners are picked to finish third. Brett Venable's second year. Obviously, the, the Sooners were 3-0 and to start last year, and then the things really fell apart, especially on the defensive side. Uh, for them in, in the Big 12. 
what's better this year? What are you excited? What do you think uh, Brett Venables can be excited about and optimistic about in 2023? What are they still concerned about? I'm going to repeat something he said multiple times yesterday. More competitive depth. He, he, he just he kept saying that yesterday. More competitive depth. And he came on our show yesterday, and I said, well, okay, I, I think you mean just kind of across the board, but what position specifically are you talking about more competitive depth? And he said they had three linebackers that could play last year. Just, just, just three linebackers that could play last year. He says they have a lot more competitive depth at backer. They, they've got several more players that can play. So, so I would point to just that. I mean, I, I don't think that they're there yet in terms of just overall depth. I, I think that there's some spots where they need some players to step up and be a number one, like at wide receiver. Um, but he mentioned that they are in a totally different place than they were a year ago. So I think just that, just better uh, competitive depth across the board, it did stick out to me. Um, 97 of their 123 players on the roster are first or second year players. That, that really stands out to you. 97 God. of your 123 players on your roster are first or second year players. That just shows the massive turnover that they've had in 18 months. It's crazy. You know, Tyler, when, 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 he, when he talks about that, I, I, I love that linebacker quarter he's talking about. There is some depth there. But when, when he, t- and for me, it's, I mean, Dylan Gabriel is going to be, if he stays healthy, he's going to be just fine. I think the offensive line will be fine. But when you say the word wide receiver, I just don't, there will always be a running back at Oklahoma. Oklahoma and Texas, to me, you've you got to be able to find a running back, and you will. And it, it may not be a big name, but they'll have a runner. But at wide receiver, that's the part that Dylan Gabriel will really, really need. And once again, they'll find an H back or a tight end. But that, but that wide receiver position, does that scare you a little bit? It's probably my biggest fear on the team right now, to mm. be honest. And, you know, will, will someone emerge? I, I, I think I just there, there's a lot of hesitancy for me right now to say that they're going to have a true elite number one wide receiver like yeah. we've seen in the past. Like, yeah. a, you know, C.D. Lamb, I guess, most recently has been that guy. You know, you, you lost Marvin Mims this offseason, who was a second-round pick, but – even Marvin Mims last year right. had some issues, had some had some crazy drops that we haven't seen before in his career. Like I think overall they'll be solid. And Jaquase Petaway's coming in, who is a highly ranked recruit. Uh, Brennan Thompson from Texas uh, could potentially be in the mix. Andrew Anthony from Michigan, they got him via the transfer portal. So I see a lot of speed in that room. I just, Bucky, I just can't sit here today and tell you that they're going to be elite at that spot or maybe even close to what Texas has this year. It's my biggest concern and I just that that's not gonna change until I, I, I see it this season. They they need to develop a true number one. I think Jalil Farouk is probably the favorite to do that. Yeah, that name jumps out overall depth. Yep. Yeah. And we've talked about it a lot. I was looking at your Twitter account, Tyler. By the way, you can fire follow Tyler at Tyler underscore McComas. Easy to find and great great content. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the Oklahoma schedule. I'm sure you have, too. I mean, you're not going to apologize for it, but the Big 12, I think, did them a favor in year two for Brett Venables. I mean, the only true – I mean, their, their toughest true road game is at Stillwater, and they're picked to finish – Oklahoma State's picked to finish seventh in the conference. They play Texas on a neutral site. TCU's picked to finish fifth. They get them in Norman. Uh, everything else that they're playing is, is you know, seven and beyond as far as the preseason media poll. They don't get K-State. They don't have to play Texas Tech or Baylor. I mean, that's a really, really good draw, especially the way the Sooners have struggled with K-State and Texas Tech at times. Uh, as it sits right now, it's the worst schedule in my lifetime, and, or the easiest schedule of my lifetime and the worst home schedule 
of my lifetime, and that'll dramatically flip in the first year in the SEC. If you take any stock at all in the preseason magazines, I think all three, maybe one has, uh, has SMU in the top 40, but at least two of the three have OU playing against two top 40 teams, and one is at a neutral site and, and, and one is at a home game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. In, in fact, if you take, like, the average of the preseason magazines and where every single OU opponent is ranked, the average ranking, I think, is like 60.2, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's – and that's why, like, some people nationally will say, well, if Brent Venables can just get to 9-3 and three this year, then, you know, that'll be a successful year, and you'll see what happens first year in the SEC. And I'm saying, guys, like with what you just said, nine and three is not good enough, man. And you look <laughs> at it, and that's a three-win improvement. A three-win improvement from the year before, almost always, that's not only going to be an improvement, but a massive improvement. But I'm sorry, that schedule is so god-awful that I don't think nine and three is acceptable. I think you have to be ten and two or above to call this season a success and have some real momentum going into the SEC. It's just not a good schedule. And our listeners will say, well, there's always a surprise in the conference. That could happen with OU schedule. That's true. There's always a surprise in the league. In fact, no one, not since we brought this championship game back in 2017, the teams picked one and two have never played each other in the Big 12 championship game. So, yes, someone's going to come from the pack seemingly and be good. But here's the thing. Who's to say that that team is on OU schedule? Maybe it's Texas Tech. They're not on OU schedule. Maybe it's Baylor. They're not on OU schedule. So I don't doubt that someone's going to come back from the pack in this league, but with the draw that OU had, they may not even be on the schedule this year. Yeah, yeah and, and, and for OU, with, with the schedule that they have, they need to be in the Big 12 uh, championship game. And, and, and for mm-hmm. me, it's the same with Texas. It's not about, yeah, if you get there, yeah, you want to you win it, but you got to get there. And I think these two teams – before they leave, this would be a, a wonderful way to go out, both of them oh, playing, man. not only up in Dallas, you know, in October, but to actually be in the championship game because now anything can happen. I mean, you know, everybody's saying, no, Texas needs to win the championship. Well, hell, everybody wants to win the championship, but damn, how about getting to the game and then from that point on, just seeing what happens from that point on. But you got to at least get to the championship game, and I think the same for OU. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I ten wins is where I start expectations and let's go up from mm-hmm. there but you can't miss out on the championship game for the third consecutive year just i mean you guys know it i mean just with what's coming in the sec sure. and the brutal draw that OU got in 24 i'm a believer in momentum you got to have some momentum in your program and if you miss out on the big 12 championship game this year and maybe the most wide open the league has been in a long time that's it's going to be a tough look for sure. So we've already been talking about ways like how do you celebrate in front of Brett Yormark in the Big 12 if you do win it? <laughs> and I think we're down to maybe Danny Stetsman spiking the uh, championship trophy on the stage. But we'll come up with more ideas. 50 days until kickoff. I'm sure we'll come up with more 50 ideas. 50 days. He is the host of The Rush on The Ref. Uh, 94-7 up there in OKC, 2-6. to six. Tyler McComas. Bring back Ma- Baker Mayfield. He'll find a way. He'll yeah. find something to Baker do. Baker Baker, yeah. the touchdown <laughs> yeah. maker. He'll yeah. Sure. Hey, Tyler, the uh, the hype on Texas. Obviously picked uh, you know heavily to win the conference. You know, they, they, don't, they, they check a lot of boxes this year as far as talent goes. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian has to prove he can get it over the hump. But, um, you know, you're, you're a, a rational observer of college football. Are, were you buying the Longhorn hype? 
You know, so I, I've watched Texas my entire life and definitely here the past 12 years or so. It's just I think our feeling around here is we've seen this hype before and we've seen what's happened with it, right? Yep. And what's been tough for us to – like we Kelvin Banks, really good offensive lineman, got a chance to have a great career. Jalen Ford, I mean, one heck of a backer, right? So there's some pieces with Texas – that we look at up here and say, yeah, here's some reasons to be really optimistic about Texas. I think the thing with OU fans and even me is, you know, they, they've got some nice returning pieces, but Bijan may have been their best running back since Ricky Williams. Um, you had a guy behind him who's an NFL running back. You had DeMarvian Overshone that left, and everybody loses players in college football. I guess our question up here is, where is this hype from an eight-win team last year that probably lost the best pieces of their football team a year ago? So, I don't know. I, I, I think that there's a lot of doubt up here about Texas, and I think mostly that stems from just the hype that we've seen over the course of the past 10 years and not seeing it come to fruition most of the time. You know, Tyler, I, I believe this team itself can win eight games, but I, I think the coach has to win two himself. He's going to have to do something that – he makes a play call. I mean, he stands up and makes a, a call that everybody executes in the course of two games that we can look back and say the head coach won that game, that coaching staff won the game. And like, we just haven't seen it. But I, I, I think this team itself, talent-wise, can win eight themselves, meaning you can go coach yeah, them. It, I think you can go coach them and get eight. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll, I'll at least take them the Alamo Bowl. We'll go eight four. How about that? <laughs> no, um, I, I think it's been a – fascinating offseason for Steve Sarkeesian and, and I don't know how you guys feel but the expectation now is you know at least make it to the Big 12 championship game yes now people are picking them nationally to go win at Alabama yeah. like I, I just I wonder how Sark feels about all this being the you know being a guy that won eight games last year being picked I, I mean 41 first place votes to win the conference like this puts an enormous amount of pressure on Steve Sarkeesian with all of these massive expectations. I I don't know. I, I just wonder how he truly feels about all of that because if if they only win eight games next year and, and Bucky, if he doesn't win two of those games by himself, yep. after all these massive expectations, is he on the hot seat a year from now going to the SEC? I don't know. Yeah, you kind of feel like he's got to be a little bit of Lincoln Riley and, uh, you know, will his team to some wins where, yep. like Lincoln used to do for Oklahoma and Bob Stoops before him of uh, Trivia Championship coach with championship medal last thing real quick tyler just a quick thumbnail on oklahoma state uh, mike gundy always has a different look this time it's the gray beard with the uh, the dark hair looking cool uh, what do you make of gundy saying that uh, bedlam's over and it's oklahoma's fault that's not a new statement but he reiterated it and uh, how good can oklahoma state be in 2023 he he just brings it up every single time he can <laughs> i mean it, it, and that's for osu administrators coaches their softball uh, coach did it earlier this year. It's for any chance they can take to say, well, it's Oklahoma's fault that we're inning this rivalry game. They'll, they'll take that opportunity. Here, here's the stance of OU fans, though, on that. If you would have told every OU fan before, like, hey, you can go to the SEC. However, you're going to have to sacrifice Bedlam. I think everyone in unison would have said, oh, okay, yeah, that, that, that's fine. Yeah. Like, there, there's a lot of OU fans that look at Oklahoma State and say, well, look at the overall win-loss record that's not a rivalry like there's a lot of OU fans that don't even consider it a rivalry and I'm not saying that that's right but yeah I, I mean OU fans are totally cool with losing that Bedlam game I think it'll come back at some point OSU just I don't know man they're acting like they wouldn't have done the same thing 
in, in, in OU shoes, which is a little bit odd. But in terms of how good they can be, it, it's all about Alan Bowman, guys. Um, I saw Alan Bowman in Lubbock back in 2018 play an incredible first half against OU before he had the collapsed lung that really derailed his season and, and really kind of his career up to this point. He's been injury riddled. If he can get back to what he was maybe early in his career at Tech, I, I know he can throw the football. I know he's got some accuracy and arm strength. I think this is going to be an OSU offense that likes to take some chances down the field like we've seen in, in several years previous. Um, they, they were just gutted by the transfer portal, just yeah. gutted by the transfer portal. And with a whole lot of new defensive starters, with a new defensive coordinator, I'm just not too optimistic. But here's the thing, though, and here's what's weird about talking about the Big 12 this year compared to so many past years. It's like when I evaluate OU in Texas, I think Texas has a much tougher schedule than what OU has this year. And if OU doesn't have the easiest schedule in the conference this year, if that answer is not OU, then it's Oklahoma State. Yeah. So roster-wise, uh, roster I don't feel great about OSU, but I look at their schedule and say, wow, that's really manageable. There is a world where they get to eight wins. I, I think their ceiling may be eight or nine wins, but they're going to have to have a lot of things go right for them for that to be the case. You know, Tyler, where I feel like Sark, this is his year and third, his third year and the quality of recruiting he's been doing and, you know, with his staff and upping his staff and bringing in some of these special special kind of guys to, to be on his staff. I think he can make that that move and win two games for this football team by just what he does himself and having being under control. I don't feel that way about Gundy. I feel the big game that will be on nationally televised games somehow. I mean, as you say, the schedule sucks for him. So what's going to be the national televised game? He will gag on, a national, on the national scene like he always does. It just won't happen for him. Well, if he does that, it'll most likely be in Bedlam. Um, fourth and one from around midfield. Oh, yeah. and he'll be putting that bad boy uh, <laughs> down two touchdowns. It's for, for a guy that likes to stand up there and yes. say a lot of crazy and quirky things up there, yeah, he coaches small in that bedlam game. I've, I've seen it multiple times. Yeah, they had the Big 12 championship game one two years ago and lost it at the goal line against Baylor. Couldn't get that touchdown with Spencer Sanders and uh, win the Big 12. Hey, Tyler, thanks for the extended conversation. Great stuff. I know you've had a busy week up there in Arlington, and uh, always good to hear you. Thank you, Tyler. You bet. Talk to you guys soon. Tyler McComas, uh, the ref. The 94-7 up there in Oklahoma City. Good stuff on the Big 12. The Sooners not denying how easy the conference schedule is, which means you better win 10 games if you're Brett Venables. Uh, we'll come back. We'll pick up that uh, conversation, your thoughts on it. Also, Big 12 baseball, Longhorn baseball. Man, what a week they've had. Uh, could it have gotten any better for David Pierce? Details coming. It's Bucky and Aaron. Appreciate Tyler McComas. We'll talk to Mike Craven, Dave Campbell's Texas football, the senior writer there of the – the Bible of Texas football. He covered Big 12 media days for two days. His takeaways. Always good to talk to Tyler about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State football. He's well, We did have a Texas fan that says, nice job, guys. Bring it on an OU insider to talk Texas football. We asked him one question. We, so we can only bring Texas people who cover Texas on to talk about Texas? I think that would be narrow-minded. But, I think uh, it's pretty good on his part to talk about. I mean, he knows about Texas football also. So well, that's listen, it's stuff. not wrong for people outside the conference or within the conference outside of Austin to be skeptical of Texas and the hype. Let's not... Come on, be real. I mean, they have the Longhorns 13 of the last 14 years. If you bet, bet, bet Texas in the under in the preseason overrode over under win total, you would have won. You would have taken the under. 13 out of the last 14 years in Vegas, if you made a bet on Texas to finish under the win total, you would have won 13 out of 14. Wait a minute, Ty, did you, do you know that, Ty? Did you know this information and not? I never bet against Texas. He doesn't. Ty, how are we feeling today, bud? This is probably the roughest morning I've ever had on the show. I'm not going to lie. 
You're not looking very good. <laughs> yeah. I know. I got... slept in the studio. I had to wake him up about uh, 15 minutes before the show started. He is not feeling good. So we will. Can you get like a part-time girlfriend that would just pretend she's your girl? <laughs> so you don't it... stay out of Deep Eddie all night? I mean, how was the Deep Eddie adventure? Was this a Deep Eddie adventure last night? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Were you looking to. He was to... at his table with his Let name on Let me just say this. It. Were you looking to score at the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter? There were some, some shots being thrown up. <laughs> some shots. Careful now. I could end up in the you know, into the trash can here in a moment. So yeah, it's right, right next to me. It's right next to you. Well, there you go. Be be, be safe in there. Uh, but no, I mean, Tyler is you know he he does he does a show in Oklahoma City. So yes, obviously it's very Oklahoma centric, and he does four hours of talk radio every day, every week, every day like we do. And obviously that it's not it's fair for fans to be skeptical. Texas fans can be as confident as you want, and I think there's a lot of good reason for the confidence. We talk about it every single day. The all all gas no excuses year. And it is. Uh, it really should be. But at the same time, to, to, to wonder if they can live up to that is not unfair, an unfair you know, statement to make. Now, as for Oklahoma, look, think about this for Texas. Texas has an opportunity. If Tyler is right and Oklahoma's schedule is so easy but that Brett Venables better damn well win 10 games, well, how cool would it be for, the, for these two schools to finish in oh, the championship man. game? And if you're a Texas fan, how great would it be in the final year of the Big 12 to beat Oklahoma two times? Beat them in Dallas and then beat them for the for the trophy. Wow, what kind of finish would that be? I mean, these are all the things that Texas controls that can, can control and can accomplish. Yeah, as I said, I want it to happen, but I I, I want to see you in that. Let's get to that game, and that would be anything happens in a game. Well, that's fine. You're right. I mean, I mean TCU still had a great season despite. That's what, and yeah, I think people people down on TCU for well, what did they really do? Really, well, last they year they didn't win a trophy. It was a hell of a football they season a for the first time well, that's coach. that's true, but it's not wrong to say that they didn't win the Big 12 and they didn't win the Natty. They played for both, which is a great year. Uh, but, you know, it's about sealing the deal and uh, bringing it home. And they didn't finish their business in, in, against K-State. K-State beat them in the Big 12 title game. Um, again, Sonny Dykes was National Coach of the Year, rightfully. They had a great season. Right. Um, and if Texas had the same year this year, <laughs> you know, if Texas played in the Big 12 t- title game undefeated, but then lost that game and then played in the national championship people game. People would be pissed. People would be... You're right. They'd be they pissed. They would still look at it as a great step forward. But I would still hope be, they would. still be mad. He'd still, well, based on eight wins and five wins the previous year, sure you would. But at the same time, you'd be like, oh, man, we didn't finish either of them. And where are we, tie on that? Are we all in Kool-Aid, winning the championship, not just getting to the game? But are you feeling like, let's get there first and things can happen? Or you're like, no, win the championship. No, we're winning every game we play. That's right. Way to go, Ty. See? See? Okay. Got to have time. He Should. thinks the Cowboys are going to win every game next year, too. No, oh, he doesn't think that. They won't be 17-0, but Texas will be 12-0. Thank you, Ty. Going into the Big 12 Championship. How was the uh, scenery at the uh, Deep Eddie Cabaret last night? <laughs> you got two tables, pushed them up. Ooh. Ooh. Now, didn't, didn't someone, you told me yesterday when you were leaving that it was going to be a big night because someone was taking you to your birthday for like a year ago? Oh, graduation. Graduation. See, that was the problem. Yeah, I pre you, you had a pre-party. Yeah. I had some sake. Oh. Warm sake? No, I'm a Nigori sake. Cloudy, oh. cloudy dreams. I mean, there is it actually a good sake? I love sake. Really? It gets me weird drunk. Man. <laughs> You're so weird. I love sake. Gets you weird drunk? It does. It's like kind of like wine, because I don't like wine. But it, Are you it, on the Twitch camera right now? Yeah. yeah. Look at that it's, hair, it's everybody. Right. Ty looks like, uh, what, what is it, high in the movie uh, Raising Arizona? <laughs> Hello, H.I. Up and at him, H.I. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. Wow. 
He is uh, he's bringing it this morning. All right, real quick, and then we'll get to hot or not with Ty at the top before the top of the hour. Mike Craven after the top. His uh, two day thoughts from Big Twelve Football Media Days. Craven always a good college football conversation, but also the Texas baseball team. I don't know that this week could have gone any better for David Pierce. Um, if you're a Texas fan and you knew if somebody told you at the beginning of the week you're going to bring Troy Tulowitzki back into the program, who was so I mean his his bond with the players, his connection to the players, his ability to develop players and and you know build and take make their their weaknesses their strengths and go to work with players. I mean, ask Ivan Melendez and and Murph Staley and some of these other guys of how much of an impact uh, Troy Tulowitzki had on their baseball you know careers. Well, now he's back in a role of player development. David Pierce has made the decision to take over the pitching. They're not going to have um, you know because like you know whether you agree with it or not. David Pierce was always going to be at odds with his pitching coach because he's been a high-level pitching coach himself. So there's always was always going to be friction, and David took the bold step of saying, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Uh, I now have a staff I feel good in with Steve Rodriguez and Troy Tulowitzki, and I'm just going to be the pitching coach. So that's you know th- that'll be judged on its on its level of success. But at the same time, I think you can see what David Pierce is thinking. Well, he's got a good start for also, sure. Also, yes. Now the draft comes and goes. You lose one member of your recruiting class, which you expected to lose anyhow in Travis Sakura from Round Rock, and that's not official yet. Now, he was drafted pick 71, first pick of the third round. He's going to make over a million dollars in a contract, and if he wants to take it, most people believe he will. But every other commitment went undrafted uh, or went drafted far enough down that they have already declared they're coming to Texas. They also get LeBaron Johnson Jr. and Tanner Witt back because they were drafted lower than they were hopeful, ho- hoping in the last 10 rounds, so they're both coming back. Uh, and now you get the news that Porter Brown's going to return, downtown Porter Brown. I thought he was out of eligibility, but who knows anymore. He's going to play his sixth <laughs> year because he came in from TCU as a graduate transfer. Like, he graduated from TCU, came in for the, you thought, for one year. Well, no, he's got another year. I guess he has that COVID year, and he's going to play you know, as a sixth-year veteran player in your outfield, middle of your order, bat from the left side. And with the losses of Eric Kennedy in center field and Dylan Campbell in right field, who's likely to sign with the Dodgers, you know, you're – you you need you you're looking for that veteran outfielder back there. You combine that with what can come back, you know, Riley Galvan behind the plate, Jared Thomas at first base, Jalen Flores, a young emerging star, whether he plays third or shortstop out of San Antonio. I mean, there's some nice pieces plus a really good recruiting class. Things have gone good for David Pierce. I mean, you just to start with the pitching staff, but to come back with potentially for Tanner sure. Witt on a Friday night and LeBaron Johnson Jr. back on Saturday, that's pretty good. That's pretty. Oh, good. this works out well for them. Uh, really a good week. And this says uh, Troy Tulowitzki coaching waiting. Well, yeah, uh, could be, could be. Uh, got somewhere, his degree. Somewhere he got his degree. Uh, and he, he, and I, I, we haven't heard from Coach Tulowitzki yet since his, has been announced he's coming back, or at least reported that he's coming back, that um, I think he missed it. You know, and, and, and Mike, Mike Harge and others would tell you that he was around still. Like he wasn't. He just he just loves college baseball. He loves being around the players, loves being around the club, and 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 he's a dirtbag without a doubt. So you know, even though his family has settled here in Austin, they love it here in Austin. His wife and children, uh, they put down roots here. But you know, he still wants to be around the game, and uh, he can really be. It was a good week for David Pierce. Really, certainly good was really good week. Okay, so that is baseball. We've got football on the brain. We've got hot or not coming. Ty is. Uh, Struggling <laughs> through the glass, to say the least, but we're not struggling. We're with you on a Friday. A uh, lot to do. Coming back, hot or not, topics we've missed halfway through a busy, busy Friday here on The Horn. What's hot? 
and what's not. What's Hot, What's Not is brought to you by Texas Orthopedics, the largest independent orthopedic practice in Central Texas. Visit us at TXOrtho.com to learn more and to schedule an appointment. Hot Not on this Friday where it's going to be 103, 104 degrees today. Just blazing hot. That's not a breaking news story. You know it. Deal with it. Be safe, please. Also hot. How about Craig Way? Light the tower today. We'll have Mac Brown. Visit with Mac Brown. Right. Uh, to start the show in the 10 o'clock hour, Mac and uh, Craig are going to be doing a Q&A to open Texas High School and the Coaches Convention down in Houston on Sunday. So Craig and Mac today. Also Gene Watson will be on with Craig to preview the second half of the Major League Baseball season. We'll have Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football coming up, talking some Big 12 football. Uh, also on the hot side, Buck, how about the golf right now? They're playing the Scottish Open, the Genesis Scottish Open over there in Scotland. Getting ready for the Open. The Open is next week, and yeah, getting that Lynx golf feel. And man, the, the numbers are low. Terrell Hatton shot himself a 62 today, so he is to nine under, uh, joining the clubhouse leader. I Bion. like that Bitterman. Yeah, he joins Byung Hung on uh, at nine under. He hadn't even started his round. He'll do that in in, in the next hour. Uh, on shot a 61 yesterday to put himself in the clubhouse lead. Hutton followed it up with a 62 today. The other guy that's been hot is Tom Kim. He shot 66 today. He's even at nine under as well. And how about Scotty Scheffler? Fired a 65 today. He's to two strokes off the lead, tied with Patrick Harrington, Rory McIlroy at or, seven I under par. I hate Liv McIlroy. I hate Liv. He said he would retire before he joined Liv. He said if Liv was the only tour in the world, I would quit golf. Would quit golf. Yeah, and, you know, tell us what you really think, Rory. Uh, also, hot or not, Buck, uh, you know, we know the, the Screenwriters Guild has been on strike out in Hollyweird. Well, now the actors have gone on strike. The actors have gone. They're following suit. Actors are on strike. See ya. So m- go see your movie, Mission Impossible, this weekend. Yeah, I need to go see that. I mean, has Denzel made anything in the last I think he's on years? a semi-shutter down kind I mean, of I, was gonna, I mean, is he into being the director now, or is he just shutting it down since Man on Denzel, Fire I mean, how many great day. movies can you make? You know what I mean? The other guy that never slows down is Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is the one that just keeps turning oh, no, out movies. Oh, yeah, and producing and doing all that stuff oh, and man. directing movies. I haven't seen Denzel in a bit. but uh, been a bit. been a bit. How about this for a hot or not? Uh, new summer trend, women proudly flaunting their unwaxed bikini lines. Mm. I know you like that, Buck. Yeah. Not, not hot on that. Women proudly flaunting their unwaxed bikini line. I think we should, all, we should all keep things in check. <laughs> Man and woman. Yeah. Oh, Non-binary, whatever natural. Buck's all in on that. Maria Spagnola. I mean, you gotta, you got to be who you are. Come on, man. What? Why you got to be like baby butt bald or anything? You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm not saying oh. that. I'm just saying... Keep yourself keep, in check. Keep yourself in You got to check yourself for your I'm not down with. I'm not down with the hair under the armpit, though. Ooh. I, I'm just that. I've seen that. I've seen that out and about. Have you? Is that, that just, that's that's just a thing, a thing now. now? That's a thing now? Yeah. Well, um, everybody's very fluid with their sexuality these days. Bucky. Fluid. <laughs> Don't say that word. Fluid's on the line of moist. Oh, and, yeah, moist and fluid. Oh. Two-minute warning at the bar. That's where you've been. You've been you're the two-minute yeah, warning. but I'm not, I'm not going up to the arm, armpit hair chick. You're not? Not yeah. that time of night? Yeah, well, women are fighting back. They're saying waxing is expensive and painful. Razor burn isn't much fun either. So deal with it. I can dig it. I can dig it. Somebody says Denzel has Equalizer 3 coming out in September. Ooh. Ooh, I liked Equalizer, the first one. I did see the first one. I didn't see the second I think one. I saw the second one. It's good. It's actually, I mean, it's on the line of those, you know, Jason Bourne kind of things. He's a badass who takes care of people and beats the bad I don't know. Guy. When guys get to be too old, when you know they can't do it, they can't really do that, somebody just go and just give them the elbow to the yeah, face. And watch Equalizer and tell me he can't do it. 
Go see Man on Fire. Oh, now I know he could do it on Man on Fire. His That's going to happen to you there. Murder. Or Training his, Day. His art is murder. I love that movie, uh, Man on Fire. I got to go see. I got to see the Mission Impossible. This one says, you know, not hot too. Yeah. By the way, the reviews on Mission Impossible, the latest with, uh, which by the way, I've never seen any of them, but uh, Tom Cruise are really good. That it's just a, it's a, it's action packed. I mean, you got to suspend relief. But Tom Cruise is pretty amazing. He does all his own his own stunts. I mean, that guy. I mean, he's hanging from cliffs. I mean, he does. I mean, he does his own deal. I know he does some motorcycle stuff. He I loves mean, that deal. Well, you know, in Top Gun Maverick, he was like flying the jet. I mean, this guy's doing like. G-forces, and uh, you got to give him some credit. But, yeah, this is apparently the second huge, it's going to be a huge summer blockbuster, just like Top Gun Maverick was last year when it came out. But uh, So that'll be out. And uh, also on the not hot side is our man Ty. Somebody said, Ty, your voice sounds like it needs a shower. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I definitely need a shower. Uh, yes, you do. This is, stay this, in, stay this through is the glass. The, this is the worst I've ever felt on this show. And that's Saki. Monumental moment. Time. Don't pregame deep Eddie. Hung dog TY. What did you have for us in Hot or Not, Ty? Um, not much. Not much. <laughs> there you go. I got to ask you and the people, are you a fan of tahine on the rims of your margarita? A, I don't drink tequila, so I don't drink margaritas, and no. You don't drink margaritas at all? Nope. No, sir. Not me. I don't, I mean, unless it's a really, really good tequila, like on the rocks, I can do it. But, man, I just, I've had a real bad occasion with tequila, and I've never gotten over it. It was way back when I was like 20 years old. Kind of like you, Ty. Wow. But no, uh, my wife likes tahini. Okay. salt on the rim. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tahini guy on the rim. And what is tahini actually? It's just like a spicier salt kind of thing? I don't know. I'll look we'll it up. I'll look up the ingredients of tahini. Tejano, friends. Okay. Tejano, friends. Uh, okay, well, there you go. Hey, coming up, uh, more college football conversation coming out of Big 12 Media Days. Dave, Mike Craven will join us. Uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the senior writer. Also my co-host on the Eyes on Texas multicast that we do each week. Um, What was he thinking going into Big 12 Media Days? What did he learn coming out after covering all two days and all 14 teams? We'll get the latest with Craven coming up. It's B&E on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. And always stream it. Take us wherever you go on that Horn app, on your smart speaker, and always at hornfm.com.